You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are here today to talk about James Wan's Malignant. Yes, if you missed our announcement, in last week's episode, Nightmare on Film Street is back to being a weekly podcast. We are splitting up our kooky cannibals double feature with a spoiler-free review of James Wan's Malignant. Yeah, there's a pretty good chance you've you've heard some buzz about this movie. It has an incredibly wild, surprising third act, and we will not be spoiling any of it for you. If no, you, not at all. Yeah. Absolutely not. If you're still planning on seeing the movie or you're curious about whether or not to check it out, we're here to tell you three good things about it, three reasons why you should absolutely go see this in the movie theater, and we're still going to preserve that that real surprise ending. <laughs> but don't worry, we are both itching to talk about this movie, so we're also going to do a little add-on bonus episode where we get spoiler-tastic. Oh, yeah. We're going to be spilling the beans about all the gory details over in the Nightmare on Film Street Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash fiend club it's going to be a companion episode to this one we're going to talk about three main points that we love about malignant and we might just have a couple more over in that bonus episode but before we talk about james wan's malignant which i'm so itching to do (laughs) we literally just finished seeing the movie for a second time very pumped john what's keeping you creepy this week we're in the middle of our TIFF 2021 coverage. We, we just got back from, from Toronto proper to see a few movies in person, uh, which, is, which is always a delight. The, uh, the, the presentation at, at, well, really any film festival, but at TIFF, like everybody always takes it super seriously. So the picture is perfect. The sound is crisp. We they got, start on time. They start on <laughs> time. And we've been watching some digital movies at home. Uh, also, just a shout out to TIFF for being super meticulous this year about safety and stuff. Yeah. They, they were requiring vaccination passports or COVID test proof and stuff, and they checked at every door. Uh, the organization was great. There was no waiting in lines and stuff just to keep everybody moving. It was, like, really well done. Yeah. I, I was a little hesitant, you know, going back in, into the theater so frequently. Like, we, we went in a bunch over the weekend, and I've kind of been dallying back at the theater since we, we got our vaccination, like, a, a couple months ago. So I felt very safe going in and out of the theater like four times in one day. Yeah, and they use your reserve seating for contact tracing because if if anybody gets notified about anything down the line, they can trace you back to TIFF and say, okay, well, these 12 people sitting around that seat should probably get a notice as well kind of deal. Um, but, you know, in those in-person screenings, we got to check out Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Yeah, I think a lot of people are jealous about this one because there's an amazing trailer out. I don't know if you've seen it, but it doesn't spoil the movie at all. It just sets up the tone and the theme and just how fucking rockin' this movie looks. And it looks that good. Yeah, I mean, if you like Edgar Wright, you probably already know that this movie's gonna have a killer soundtrack, dope cinematography, real fun stuff (laughs) and it's for days yeah there's all of that and when shit gets dark it's a real blast like it's like giallo inspired nightmare stuff it's 
Uh, oh man, I I really enjoyed lots of this movie. I don't I wouldn't call it my favorite Edgar Wright movie, but uh, but I think it has some of his like most impressive special effects and camera work of his entire career. We also caught the very under wraps found footage film dash cam the follow-up film from rob savage jed shepherd and Gemma hurley's host which took shutter by storm the very early days of the pandemic this one there's there's so very little known about it that i don't want to spoil anything other than that you are following a character who live streams from a car she has something called band car where she raps uh as she's driving and Shit goes down one night, and obviously it's found footage, so it's all captured on film. This is a great follow-up for the host team because it stays in the vein of like the screen life type of film in that we're following a live stream the whole night, and shit gets off the rails. It's a bonkers movie. It's wild. It's chaotic, and it's not going to be for everybody, so I'm very interested for people to start seeing this movie. It is I think still up for acquisition, so there's no trailer or anything yet, but we'll definitely keep you guys posted when uh, this one gets a release. Yeah, and if you're, you know, any UK listeners, it is playing at a film festival in the UK, I think at the end of the month, so keep an eye out for that if if you want to check it out yourself. For now, it is still on the film festival circuit, like Kim said, but I would expect it to probably be available either VOD or in theaters sometime in 2022. Yeah, and Last Night in Soho is out this October. Oh so. yeah, I didn't mention that. <laughs> I believe October 29th, it's uh, surprisingly a good movie to see pre-Halloween. Pre-Halloween. You can follow all of our coverage of the film festival over at nofspodcast.com. Most of those reviews are still on the homepage. If not, just search TIFF 2021. You'll find them there. We also just launched kind of a kind of a tradition here at Nightmare on Film Street. We always celebrate Halloween starting October 1st, and this year is no different. We launched the 31 Day Horror Challenge. Hashtag 31 Day Horror Challenge. You can find out more about that at nofspodcast.com slash 31 Day Horror Challenge 2021. There's tons of details there. It's basically a month-long competition where you are given a horror movie prompt for each day, and you have to watch a horror movie that fits that theme. For instance, day one is reanimated, so you have to watch something that fits in the reanimated theme. Some people I know are already planning on watching reanimator some people have maybe some vampire films oh that's a good idea uh zombie films whatever you think of that fits in that category and it doesn't just have to be movie watching we want you to share your cool setups we want you to share your themed drawings recipes cocktails yeah somebody has already told us that they're gonna try and do themed cocktails for these which is which is genius it's gonna be super fun and it's not just a competition even though you're gonna get cool cred if you do every single day of the month we are also giving out weekly prizes gift cards for our web store for cool t-shirts and shit and if you haven't checked those out that's store.nofspodcast.com there is also a monthly grand prize it is a halloween 365 prize pack all of the prizes in total are worth over 500 so there is a ton of sweet shit that we're giving away including a collector's edition of the original halloween with a limited edition vinyl yeah uh, that looks kind of jealous so <laughs> cool um but you can see all of those details like i said at nofspodcast.com slash 31 day horror challenge 2021 there are also downloadable graphics so you can get the theme for yourself you can share them on social media you can print them out whatever you want all of the info is there and how to enter those giveaways 
I'm really excited for somebody to win that prize pack because, I mean, there is, not, there is nothing worse than November 1st. Am I right? Oh, that's a good rhyme. <laughs> it was un- <laughs> unintentional, but there's nothing sadder than the day after Halloween because you know it is the furthest you are from another Halloween season. And with this giveaway, it's going to help you keep that Halloween spirit alive, 365, which I think anybody listening to this podcast is probably already doing. You rhymed again, by the way. Did I? Keep the Halloween season alive, 365. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's clearly I'm inspired. I'm, I'm already I'm already taken by the Halloween spirit, I guess. Um, but it's it's that attitude that has pe- freaks like us going to the theater to see a wild ass movie like <laughs> James Wan's Malignant. I'm so happy we're finally here and we can talk about this. Uh, but before we get started, we're gonna toss you over to the trailer. Here it is. <laughs> The body of Dr. Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders. As they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Imaginary Imaginary He's the devil. getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. At the time of recording this, Malignant has only just come out in the theater. Uh, It is now the Tuesday after the Friday release. Uh, So early reviews are still fluctuating. Like, more than almost any movie that I have ever seen. Every every day I check Rotten Tomatoes, and it's like, it goes up 10 points, it goes down 20, it jumps back up 30, and it's just the reception for this movie has been insane. I will say though there were no reviews out prior to the film's release so a lot of the stuff that's coming out is fresh as they come. There were were not tons of reviews 
on Rotten Tomatoes at all before Friday. So they're still flooding in. Yeah, that's that's a whole other story altogether. I'll get to it in a second. But right now, Malignant is currently sitting at a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. And oh, good. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's finally, it's back it's, up. It's climbing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a 3.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. You better believe we are one of those fresh tomatoes on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> we are one of the freshest tomatoes on oh, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> so I saw this movie mid-August, and I, I I had to, like, sign a non-disclosure <laughs> agreement. It's like I had to sign a form saying that I would not talk about it. I would not tell anybody that I saw it. Um, and I would not disclose any information about it. And I have to say, this has keeping the secrets of this movie from Kim has been the hardest part of running Nightmare on Film Street. Yeah, people think that that we automatically get to see movies together, and it's not true. And in this case, it was very, very hard for me as the non-malignant viewer of this household. <laughs> yeah, it was it was all because I was going to be interviewing uh, James Wan at a roundtable, which you can find on the website. But uh, but like what Kim was talking about, how there were no reviews that is like super strange and like let me peel back the curtain a little bit like if you're not a press person and you've never dealt with embargoes like the idea is you're not allowed to talk about something you're not allowed to tweet about it until a specific time and that's usually the week of release maybe a monday maybe wednesday they give you the go ahead you can you can put out your review and you can start promoting the movie they did not allow anybody to say anything about this movie until the day it came out and i think that was a great choice. It was the smartest decision. Yeah, because here we are, like five days later, and no one's talking about the ending. Everybody's like, no, you got to see this for yourself. And uh, and again, we will not be spoiling any of that. Absolutely not. But it's, it's it, it, oh, the last 30 minutes of this movie are, are, are what's just going to keep my batteries running for the next five <laughs> months. So, but I mean, like a TLDR, Kim, what's Malignant about? Like, if, if somebody has never heard of it, um, or they or they've been avoiding the trailer, what what is this damn movie about? I cannot synopsize this film. Okay, so there's a woman named Madison. <laughs> she has been like a lot of characters in a James Wan movie attacked. Her and her husband have been attacked by some strange entity. entity. It's like a dark, shadowy figure in her house, but there's no sign of it when she wakes up the next morning to find her husband just like head twisted around. And of course, the cops think that she had something to do with it. She's trying to pick the pieces of her life back up, but this entity wants wants her. She doesn't know who it is, where it came from, and she's has some sort of psychic bond with it. She, it's going around killing people across the city that she has no idea, like no relation to, but for some reason she has to witness all of these horrible, uh, horrible acts. And the rest of the movie is basically trying to figure out who the fuck this guy is, what he wants with her, and how she can stop him. Good job, John. Thanks. That was actually very hard. <laughs> like I was, I'm sweating <laughs> trying, <laughs> uh, just trying to find the words for that because it's uh, it's like a, a at its core a very simple story. Except when you can't talk about the one thing you want to talk about. Fuck. Yes. So one thing I want to give major credit to with this film, and it's going to be point one of our three good things okay. about *Malignant*, is how true to James Wan it is and it really plays in the James Wan wheelhouse 
The first third of this movie is reeling you in like a caught fish. You are watching Insidious. You are watching The Conjuring. You are seeing the staircase that you know and love. Yeah. The dark <laughs> shadows, the creepy jump scares and ghostly entities. And you are lulled into thinking that this is going to be another one of James Wan's haunted house movies. And it is. It's definitely that. Until it isn't. Until it is not. And... <laughs> There are so many really great homages to James Wan's career and style in this film. All over the place. All over the place. Yeah, like if you t- if you took all of his movies and threw them in a blender, this is kind of what you would get, right? Absolutely. Like there's even a little bit of Fast and the Furious in yeah, here. Yeah, like all of the car shots in this movie are like really stylish. And there's some super sweepy camera movements that you know he perfected doing action sequences with cars. <laughs> yeah, and Aquaman too, right? Because there are there are fight sequences in this movie that are straight out of a superhero playbook, you know, except this thing is is cutting off arms and stabbing people in the face and stuff. Like it's it's a lot more violent than you would expect from a from a fucking DC comics movie. And there's even a little bit of saw in this movie with There's a the... lot of saw in this movie. What are you talking well, about? Well, I was I was Pinpointing precisely down to the repetitive kind of music refrain. Love it. That reminds me so much of that like I- iconic score from the original Saw film. And, yeah. and all of the Saw movies. It's one of the most consistent things through the movies is that one Saw refrain. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. This movie is really well done sound wise and it's got such a saw-y vibe oh man i'm so i'm so glad you mentioned the sound the sound so the sound design in any james wan movie is always spectacular this one no exception and i think it's essential to making a good scare sequence and you know as much as this is like a really weird departure from james wan uh you know from something like the conjuring movies those scare sequences are still like it sucks the air out of the room yes. right what's the easiest choice you can make Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Something really original about this film is it uses your knowledge of the James Wan playbook against you. Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) 
it lulls the audience into thinking this is the, the Conjuring Five, and that uh, what you see is what you get in terms yep. of jump scares. So we're all settling in for little ghost children running around <laughs> and heading into the further. And this movie gets off the rails like it goes bonkers but it does it still does go to like those further places right uh like there there's a section in this movie where we are in the underground tunnels of Seattle uh, there is a um city on top of a city yeah i think that's the best way to describe it the old seattle is buried underneath real seattle you can still see the cobblestone streets and stuff but there's a chase sequence between the villain of the movie and the cop and when we get there it's all this old like like carriages and shit, and everything's yeah. covered in cobwebs. cobblestones and fog for days. It's, it is exactly like Patrick Wilson, like going through the further to try and find his son with a torchlight and a bunch of weird stuff all, all around the house. All it's missing is Lin Shay. That's it, right? You throw <laughs> Lin Shay in there, and this is a back, like, this is a, like, it, it exists in the Insidious universe. It's its own thing, but it also, you know, happens to be there. Man, even just talking about Insidious, the villain has his own little lair, just like the villain in Insidious, and he's got like a little like sharpening device for his his, his stuff. That's one of my favorite James Wan isms. That is, they have layers. <laughs> is that he? No, he gives the killer his due pretty early on in the movie. Like you don't often get to see the killer up close like that, and I and a lot of cards are held close to the chest with this movie. But I love, like Insidious, you know, we're tiptoeing through the tulips, yeah, uh, right up and close with the villain, and we get to kind of see what they're like, which is for some I think it might be a little silly, but it's more jarring than it is silly. Which I think leads us perfectly into our number two good thing about Malignant, and that is Gabriel, the villain. Uh, he is an odd duck. <laughs> like and and everything we're going to tell you right here is established very early on in the movie. Yes, we're not going to touch on anything that we may learn about Gabriel later on, nothing to spoil it. I love how I love how much we're just like don't worry. We're not, like we're not overstepping I'm our bounds very here. Very protective over this movie. And like you know I got to say has been a great thing to see happen just like on social media. Everybody seems protective of this movie. No one uh, I shouldn't say no one, but mostly people are not openly talking about the stuff that you would rather have kept secret before seeing it for yourself. Uh, Gabriel himself, though, is a weird villain. He, uh, first off, long black trench coat and black gloves with, like, stringy hair all over his face. Love that. That's just a whole look that I, I'll say yes to every time. <laughs> yeah, it gives me total Headless Horseman, Sleepy Hollow vibes before he lost his head. The Christopher Walken Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, except the hair's completely different. <laughs> yeah, but the jacket is on point. I love a good jacket on my villain, yeah. Is that the reason why people are calling this a giallo, by the way? Because he wears black because gloves. Because of the gloves. I think it's And there's the some red well, light. Uh, yeah. Because that is it. <laughs> like, well, the weapon is pretty iconic. So Gabriel has pretty iconic weapon that is spotlighted throughout the film very, very obviously. It may as well be a third character. It is a character. Yeah. It has its own music cues. It's like schling. So it is a uh, it is a trophy, like a an award that uh, his first victim. It's a prestigious award. <laughs> yeah, for excellence. Uh, in murder, he uh, he he uses it to kill his first victim, and he takes it with him back to his lair and just like sharpens it down into this gnarly ass gold knuckle knife. It's like like a twelve inch blade, I think, and he just whips that goddamn thing around. It's pretty glorious. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's the, the the other <laughs> the other weird thing about Gabriel though is that he can kind of control electricity. 
a little bit. Yeah, I think I think as they mentioned in the the cold open of the movie, it's like he's drinking the electricity in the room. But he also uses it, harnesses this electricity to communicate. Yes. So Gabriel communicates through radios and telephones and basically any kind of electrical device that would give him a voice. He sounds so fucking cool, by the way. Like, god damn, does he sound so sinister when he's talking through, like, just, like, the hospital speaker. Well, and especially because or... he says, like, one-liners, like, I'm gonna kill you now. Well, like... yeah, that, I mean, that helps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. And it's almost it's almost a little too weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the fact that he is sort of this, like, ghostly figure who finds ways to materialize in the real world and can also control electricity. It almost seems like one thing too much. Yes, so it's so hard to nail down because there's some, clearly something from the opening scene that is very supernatural about Gabriel. Oh, yeah. But then also there's a lot of physical representations of Gabriel. But there's also moments where he's shadow-like, so you have yeah. no idea what to think and you're trying to, like, just absorb all all of the data this movie is giving you. It's a lot. And trying to come up with the most probable opinion. Yeah. And it's halfway through this movie, you're going to have no idea what's going on. And that really goes back to like one of your first points, that it is playing with your expectations of what a James Wan movie is. It knows that you, or even just like really a, a large-scale Hollywood movie. You you know the formula. You know the template. Uh, so you're like, you're trying to figure the movie out as it's happening, and it keeps throwing these little tiny curveballs at you that just make it impossible to figure out exactly who Gabriel is, where he comes from, and what he wants. Which maybe leads us to our third point. And maybe the wildest thing about this movie is the tone of it. It is full-on camp, which is either going to rub people the right way or the wrong way. I think if you are a fan of 80s horror and early 2000s horror. Oh, yeah cheesy, self-aware, but also really lacking self-awareness. <laughs> yeah. Very contradictory, but you'll <laughs> get it if you see the movie. Yeah, a huge, like, like big, dark castle energy is, is, is the way I've been describing it to people. Yes. And not just because it starts with a giant-ass abandoned hospital, you know what I'm saying? But this film makes no attempt to bury its exposition or finesse the story at all. The dialogue is cringeworthy in moments. But Sometimes. It, but it only makes it better, and it's full out and, and apparent. But the Some of the delivery is like, oh, you know that I'm adopted. <gasps> what? And then and just then, like the music, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Like, what? <laughs> oh, I love it so, so much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant, and it's because... It's not that it's not taking itself seriously, it's that it is incredibly playful with its own bizarre nature. Yes, it's almost like the things that we, we in modern day horror, take with such importance and consider the most important things in cinema today are just thrown on the back burner. They're just not the most important things of this film. Yeah, fuck it. The dialogue is not the most important thing on this film. Nope. The, the plot, it's happening, but... <laughs> You know what? You're going to figure it out at the end, and we don't care if you're a little confused right now because you're going to get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, that is, that is like, one of the things, just talking about the dialogue, that's, like, one of the things that I didn't love about the movie initially. But I think it is essential because it's it's like a Hitchcock movie that's, you know, it's 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 got a lot of moving parts. It's got some complex stuff that it's playing with, and it's just, it's got some really weird decisions. Like, I'll just, I'll just say that. It's got some odd choices that you're going to at least spend 30 seconds 
going, wait, what? And in case you happen to miss something, there will be another character who tells you, who repeats what a what a character beside them has said, but in like a more dumbed down fashion. I mean, it's pretty great though, because by the end of the film, no one is going to be confused about yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I gotta say, like, if they didn't, if they didn't do that, and they didn't have those characters sort of re-explaining stuff that's happening, you would have a lot of people who would just who would absolutely hate the end of this movie because you have to buy into every step that it takes in order to take to, in order to appreciate the giant leap that comes in the last twenty minutes of this movie. And it sets up a like a tone that is fully embraced in the end half of the movie. Because oh, yeah. You kind of get a feeling that we're in for something campy from the get-go just based on how things are presented. Because we know that James Wan can do a, a dry, not humorless, but a very serious horror film. Oh, yeah. We've seen them. Like, I would say that The Conjuring has very little humor. Insidious has very little humor. There are some zany things. Like, he's always made zany choices, like the, um, the gas mask. <laughs> uh, seance. Well, you always forget about the gas mask and the strobe light and the seance, right? <laughs> like some wild choices that, that make you kind of go, hmm. But this movie makes you go, hmm, the whole way through. Yeah, it's it's a slippery movie. You know, like, and it knows, here's the thing. It knows from frame one that it's going to be the strangest movie you've seen all year. And it, it buries that a little. Like, hey, we're just we're just a regular old movie. Nothing strange to see here. You completely forget about how wild the cold open is 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah. yeah I yeah, forgot yeah. the cold open existed. At, so we saw it again for a second time because I had no words the first time we watched <laughs> we it. We were going to record like, a few days ago, but we just, <laughs> we just couldn't. I was like, I can't say. I, my mouth was on the floor. I had to pick it up. I forgot completely about the cold open. The cold open is bonkers. It presents this like mad scientist angle. And then we go into a ghost movie and you're just like, what the what the hell was the beginning about? Yeah, how are these two things going to blend together? And oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy, do they. What when do you think was the last time you saw a movie this strange at like a multiplex theater? I have no idea. Right? I have no idea. It's it's like uh it's like Wes Craven's Shocker. Not that I saw that in the movie theater or anything, but and not just because, you know, both villains seem to have a little bit of control over electricity, but like when you look at the movies that Wes Craven was making and you look at his like entire career, Shocker is the is the oddball out. It's like they they made some decisions in this movie that you just have to buy in or you're not going to appreciate it. But if you do appreciate it, it's like the like undiscovered gem of the 1980s. I feel like this film is destined to be a cult film and I want it to be big enough that there's revival screenings like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh yeah. Where we're all going de- dressed as Gabriel. Yes, to, please. To cheer and throw hot dogs at the screen. Like we, that is what I want. Throwing hot dogs at the screen. There's going to be so many Gabriel costumes this year for Halloween and I can't wait to see them. I'm so excited. It's going to be a blast. And with all that in mind, because I, I honestly, like, we, we still have another hour of stuff. We still have a whole other slew of things that we want to talk about, but we, we just can't. Like, there's, and we are, we're just scratching the surface here. Like, there is so much to talk about in Malignant, but we, we can't get into it because we would unfortunately be spoiling it for you, and we absolutely don't want to do that, but... Kim, I'm assuming you think you would recommend people go check this movie out. I absolutely recommend people would check this movie out. I would give it a four out of four rating. 
without hesitation. Oh yeah, if 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 this was the one podcast where we decided to up the rating scale, like I, I would give it a, a higher than four if I could. Six out of four, please. Yes, this is this is one of the best movies I've seen all year. And Letterbox just told me that the, the my two most watched movies of the year so far are Godzilla vs Kong and Malignant. And I gotta tell you, good year. <laughs> We're going to see this a third time this weekend. I, I, we will both have seen this three times in about a week, I think, right? <laughs> That's got to be a new record for I us. I feel like that is a record. It's like maybe Repo the Genetic Opera. That might have been the only other movie that we watched. Also a cult film. Surprise, surprise. We like the weird ones. <laughs> but that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of Malignant over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast and in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash Discord. That might be your best place to go because we do have a specific spoiler zone. Uh, so please do not talk about those scenes in Malignant anywhere other than that spoiler channel. We are going to keep talking, though. We have a few more spoiler-filled thoughts that we're going to share over in the Fiend Club. Three more good things. At nofspodcast.com slash Fiend Club. If this is up, it'll be up. Uh, you can listen to us getting into the finale of this movie and spoiling the shit out of it. So if you've already seen Malignant or if you know you're not going to check it out in theaters, which is a big, huge mistake. Huge mistake. I just want to say. Even if you have HBO Max, <laughs> go see this in the theater. Join us over at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. It's six bucks a month. You'll have instant access to that bonus episode as well as tons of events, live streams, and we even have uh, membership swag. You get a membership card. Card, temporary tattoo, some stickers. It's a ton of fun over there. Uh, I've already said it twice, but nofspodcast.com slash Fiend Club. But that's it for us this week. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.